The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. No Jack McMullen today on the Just Baseball Show, but we have to start with a little five-minute intro about something completely different from baseball. I'm Peter Apple. That's Arm Layton. And then in the back half of this episode, most of this episode, we're going to be talking about the top 10 rotations with our honorable mentions, but you can find the article on JustBaseball.com to follow along or just listen to us and we'll go over the entire thing. The first thing that I want to start with you, Aram, is you gave me somewhat of a concerning take. And that take is that you eat to survive. Yes. And that if it tastes sweeter, so be it. You were kind of unaware of what soft cheese was, soft cheese being mozzarella, brie, ricotta, cheeses like that. And no, go ahead. Isn't all cheese soft if you melt it? Yes, but like a cheddar, um, a That's, Swiss, they come in hard. You know what I'm saying? When you put it on and then you have to melt them. The other cheese have a melty like consistency. Okay. But what I'm really worried about, you're one of my best friends in the world. <laughs> and as a person who loves cooking, yeah. loves chefing up, loves food in general, I was nervous. Because I've been with you when we go to a Chipotle and your order is steak and rice on a burrito. And I say, and you have a juice today, which I love. I do have a green juice today. I'm wondering where that comes from, where the lack of not really giving a shit about food. You don't like to cook. Where does that stem from? Because I want to. Dude, I'm going to bring it up maybe maybe to to a psychologist at some point, because I think it started like in college or excuse me, in high school and middle school. I didn't like the school lunches and I would just I would just punt them. Like I would just fully punt them. And then I started to get used to just not eating. And then uh, now I rip three to four coffees a day, which just murders my appetite. So now I feel like I'm like, oh, I didn't eat today. I need to eat so I don't pass out. So I eat for survival. And honestly, like living in New York, I can't cook. I, 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 I can boil water. That's about all I can do. I can't cook for shit. Um, living in New York, I just I'm like, OK, well, if I eat one meal per today, I can save some money. And then, you know, I think about it. If I, if I punt on one meal per, per day for a few weeks, think about how many Bowman boxes I can buy. Think about all, all that, that. Like if I punt on like three or four meals a month, that's in, you know, that that's a Bowman Chrome auto for Spencer Jones. Um, and, and so it's just, it's just, it's just what, what are your priorities? Your priorities are to cook and make a nice meal. My priorities are to starve and get a framed picture or a picture of a baseball player that is autographed that hopefully appreciates. Um, yeah, counter offer is not a not a necessity for me. Counter offer. You said appreciates when talking about a, a card value. What happens in a couple of years when all this health stuff comes back to bite you? I mean, dude, I've already had three surgeries. It probably isn't a coincidence. I've had a shoulder surgery. I've had a hip surgery. I've had an ankle surgery. I think my body's just, I've, I've, I've taken iron pills for anemia. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to be the first guy to drop on this podcast. That's a hundred percent true. Unless, unless it grows enough to where I could, you know, and we would probably need about 500 X growth um, that I could hire a chef. That's my dream. I will eat well if I could afford a chef, but right now I can afford a breakfast sandwich at the bodega and then 
I can maybe boil some pasta for myself and, and that's about it. But yeah, I, I'm going to unpack this. I'll come back a couple episodes later and figure out why I am the way I am. Um, but I will say I didn't realize how weird it was until I got closer to people around me, like you spending time with me. Um, you know, now my girlfriend, Ellie, who is wonderful and always wants the best for me, thinks I'm nuts. Um, and, and of course, Jack does as well. And uh, so I, I'm working on it. I'm going to I'm going to try and be a healthier guy in 2023. I like that. We're getting better every day. Yes. So I think now it's time to talk some baseball. We had a good, good little chat there. Uh, basically an intervention for, for my for my eating and health habits, which good thing you're coming to Florida so we can just go to Culver's and I can eat, you know, real healthy food um, like like we should be. And I'm glad that you and I are on this and Jack is not because Jack would come in and say, you guys have never had Culver's. Culver's is so good. I understand what you're saying. We are going to eat Culver's when we're down there in Florida. Full video review. Make sure you follow us on all of our socials. Yes. We'll be posting it there. I can almost guarantee it's still not going to beat in and out, but we're going to go in with an open mind. Yes. Just like you in 2023, are going to go in with an open mind about food in general. Yes. And this list, you have to have an open mind because it's really tough. It's really I tough to rank the top 10 rotations. Mm -hmm. You can go off last year, but rotations are always changing guys have great years guys have down years it's really hard to correctly rank the top 10 rotations but we tried our best on this one when you were looking at the list i guess my only question is like how accurate do you think it is <laughs> i think like, it's pretty pretty solid man like it's one of those things where for me I understand, especially on the pitching side, right? Because, you know, when we're ranking positions, we're, we're, we're focusing on one player. I know when we ranked infields and outfields, it was a little different, um, but even outfields, it's three players. Uh, it, the rotation's tough because it's five guys. And not only do we have to figure out how we feel about each of the five guys, we have to then figure out how that compares to another group of five guys and, and how we feel about them going into next year as well. And so you're balancing a, a volatile position too, right? It feels like, with, with, with a lot of the position players, you feel more consistent and, and safer with your conviction. I think with a lot of these guys, though, there, there was a lot of questions with other guys, too. But I think with pitching, it's just so, so up and down. So I think there's depending on the day and there's some that, you know, you'll tell by the way we go through this. And I think we're, we're in agreement on the range, give or take one or two on each on each team. But I think depending on the day and how you catch me. I might tell you a different iteration of this top 10, give or take like one, one team switching up and down, you know, here and there. And we'll talk about those, but, but that to say, like, it is also fluid. Some of these are so close that there's not one where I'm like, this team has to be number six. Like you could make a strong case for five. You did in our conversations. And I'm like, yeah, I hear that. Like I, that could, that could make sense to me. And I know within two weeks of the season, we're going to text each other and be like, oh shit, we should have had this rotation higher or whatever. Like that's the beautiful thing about it. And I think a perfect argument to explain why the list is challenging is starting with our honorable mentions and one <laughs> team that got left off. This was a big argument today in the just baseball chat between everyone at just baseball and I got outvoted and I respect the voting process. We are yes. a democracy here at just baseball and I can have a take if it is not appreciated by the rest. I got outvoted. So the Miami Marlins are our first honorable mention, and the team left out is the Cleveland Guardians. I look at a Guardians team, and I think they have a higher floor, whether it's Shane Bieber at the top, Tristan McKenzie, and Cal Quantrill, very solid three. And then you have the 2020 merchant, Zach Plesak, <laughs> and Aaron Savali, who is either a five ERA or a three and a half ERA. You never really can know. They obviously have a ton of depth in the minor leagues, as do the Marlins. And when I look at the Marlins, I see a ton of upside. Well, Trevor Rogers bounced back, maybe, but he was bad last year. How do you gauge that? Jesus Cesardo, super, super talented, but has dealt with injuries. Edward Cabrera, crazy talented, MLB the show legend, but has only thrown 71 innings in his major league career. And then you have a guy like Johnny Cueto, who's great last year, but every metric under the sun is going to tell you that he's due to blow up. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think this is a perfect argument because what do you bet on? Are you betting on the higher floor or are you betting on the higher ceiling? Because I think it's clear the Guardians have the higher floor, but the Marlins have the higher ceiling and the Marlins did perform better by a lot of stats than this Guardians rotation. Yeah. 
So you have the Marlins as this honorable mention. Tell us why. Yeah, you know, obviously subtracting Pablo um, was, was a blow. And, and I think that that we're counting on and you brought this up in the conversation. And, you know, I, I think this would be wouldn't surprise me, given given that it's the Miami Marlins. This would be the worst case scenario, but it's feasible. It's that Edward and Lazardo are hurt, which they both hit the IL last year. And Trevor Rogers doesn't bounce back like you'd hope that all three of that those things don't happen. But like it's it's feasible. What honestly made me feel better about the rotation, though, was that even if that happens, like, yeah, it's not going to be a, a top 10 rotation, but I don't think it would be a total disaster, right? You can plug in a Braxton Garrett who, you know, I know you've mentioned you like as a back end of the rotation arm. I, I, I like do. him as a back end of the rotation arm. Uh, he showed really well in, in his like 10 or 11 starts last year. That's a guy that you plug into the four and five spot and you, you feel fine about that. Um, even if Trevor Rogers isn't totally bounced back, that's still like a fine four or five. Like if he, if he can make any step forward off of what he did last year. And I think he will. And he's looked good this spring. Cueto, like, yeah, it, it it looks weird analytically, um, but he was even pretty good the year before that. So you're looking at like the last 300 plus innings where, again, if he's just a five starter, you've got the Cy Young winner. Even if you eliminate Pablo and Edward, you've got, you know, Cueto, you've got Rogers. Hopefully you can bounce back a little bit. And then you've got somebody like Yuri Perez, who you know might make the team outright, which is crazy. But Craig Mish reported that in the Miami Herald. I think, you know, that that's a guy that even if he's not totally figuring it out yet, that's a good number four or five, even as he still feels things out with a 97 mile an hour fastball and three pitches uh, that he's comfortable with secondary wise. So even though they're more volatile, volatile than the Guardians, I think they have just enough backup plans and depth to feel okay about, you know, the the wide range of outcomes. And it is totally reasonable too, because I I am betting on a Trevor Rogers bounce back. Mm-hmm. It's funny when these debates come up, I when I'm on one side, I almost have to take the opposite of the Marlins side where I'm like, well, Trevor Rogers might not bounce back. Hey, I think it's swept under the rug that in his first 28 innings, and in, I think it was 2020, he had like a six ERA, but then looked incredible in 2021 and then reverted right back to in 2022. Yeah. It's just a really hard player to project, but you've said it yourself, looks great in spring training. The reason I hang my hat on the Guardians is I almost think Shane Bieber is becoming one of the more underrated aces in our league. Yes, the drop in Velo was the discussion around Shane Bieber, and it was something to monitor, but it didn't seem to affect him. 200 innings again for Shane Bieber, 2-8-ish ERA, and then McKenzie, 191 innings, 2-9-6. We expect him to be better. So we could get 400 innings from these two guys at around a high twos, low threes ERA from the both of them. That's incredible at the top of your rotation. And that's not even mentioning Quantrill, who over the past three seasons has been straight up excellent. There's no other way to debate it. And then... Plesak and Savali, that's where it really drops off. And we were talking about prospects that could come up. The Marlins have more depth. That is, I think, unquestioned. When you look at Yuri Perez as a prospect who's one of the best in baseball and could end up contributing this year, and Braxton Garrett, the Guardians have guys like Logan Allen, Xavion Curry, Tanner Bybee, Gavin Williams. Some guys are just more far off than those Marlins guys. And some haven't performed to the yep. level of Yuri and Braxton Garrett. So, but I just hang my hat on the Marlins don't have a trio that I think can come close to the floor of the Guardians, but the Marlins kind of win out on everything else. I, but I, I still do. just want to hang my hat on. I think McKenzie gets even better. I think Bieber continues to shove. And I think Quantrill's great. And like, I don't think the Marlins have that. I, I I will give you that like the the one two combination like I think the surefire number two and Tristan McKenzie I think really really helps. You're hoping that one of Edward or Lazardo can make that leap, and they and have I the think stuff that, to do so. Like Edward and Lazardo are nasty. They both have the stuff. It's just like can can they do what Tristan did last year? Is the question. I think both of them have a similar skill set and can do something similar to that, but they haven't done it yet. So, you know, I, I hear you on that one. I think the one, two punches is, is definitely a, a separator for the guardians, but then the Marlins hedge that by having Sandy Alcantara who throws enough innings for like one and a half people. So it's a really fun conversation, a really interesting one. And uh, I think Quantrill, your boy Quantrill will be a big X factor in this because 
if he can repeat what he did last year, then I think the Guardians feel a lot better about their their one, two, three up there. I feel good about McKenzie. For Bieber, it's about health, but you know we, we can't speculate on that. And, and like you said, his velo was down, and he still found ways to get out. So you know, and, and as as well as he ever has. So I, I think it really is about Quantrill, and then. How bad are Plesak and Savali going to be? Because we've seen Savali give flashes of a fine back end of the rotation guy. We've seen Plesak have that 2020 season that you mentioned. I almost feel more concerned about Plesak. I think his stuff kind of stinks. Um, I yeah. think Savali can can hold it down in the back of the rotation and be fine. It'll be interesting, but let's move on to our second honorable mention. And this one I thought should have been top 10, but I understand because if we're talking about volatility of the Marlins rotation, the Texas Rangers yes. rotation is as volatile as humanly possible. Yes. On the top end, you have Jacob deGrom. If he's healthy for the entire season, he is legit. You have Andrew Heaney and Nate Eovaldi, who they recently signed. Andrew Heaney was excellent for the Dodgers, but in 90-ish innings. Nate Eovaldi had his worst season today and the velo drop-off, but could he regain it in Texas? I don't think we'd be shocked if that happens. Martin Perez was amazing last year, but he's never shown this in his entire career. Are we going to get 2021 Martin Perez? Are we going to get 2022? We can guess based on advanced numbers, but we aren't sure. That's one of the toughest guys to know. John Gray, again, what are we going to get? I expect John Gray, that's kind of the one arm who I do think is going to be better in mm-hmm. 2023 than he was kind of adjusting off cores. Now he's finally settled in. I think he's going to have a really good year. This rotation, if healthy and they reach their potential could be top five. Yes. But yeah. if a lot of the problems arise, they're not the top 15. So that's why they make our honorable mentions. Cause we're almost, going right in the middle of both scenarios, which I think is fair. I might have had them 10 because maybe I just believe in it a little bit more. But believing in it doesn't always mean much, right? We have to see what happens. Yeah, so I I would say if you asked me this three to four weeks ago, I probably have them in the top 10. And then you start spring training. Jacob DeGrom's already had a flare-up. Nate Eovaldi's already had a flare-up. And we're like, shit, man, this thing's not going to work. You know, I I think it still could very well work. But it's a little bit unsettling when exactly what we were afraid of is starting to happen from from the jump. It was was like literally from, it felt like the day pitchers and catchers reported Eovaldi and and DeGrom dealt with issues. And and both are already working back and, and should be okay by opening day. But like, that's already a concern there. You mentioned Perez. Like, I think he's going to be somewhere between 21 and 22, which is which is good. I totally agree on John Gray. Like, he he sneakily wasn't bad last year. Even I think it was just good. a bad bad team um, that he kind of got buried. But he was he was fine. Um, but I think the questions around Eovaldi, Degrom, and Heaney is enough to just just keep them out. Like this team is is an injury or two away from rolling out Jake Odorizzi and Dane Dunning every fifth day and. You know, at that point, it's it's a much worse rotation. Also, you know, we talked about the Degrom injury concerns. I, I it's it's one of those things that's become very like very overblown. But at the same time, like here he is banged up again. So now I don't know how to feel about it. Um, Eovaldi and, and Degrom, I think with with the injuries, kind of just puts them outside because I just am losing a lot of confidence in them being able to stay healthy. So I'm wearing my not gambling advice shirt, right? You can find that in the episode description. Um, but a lot of people are. You know, DMing me, sending me messages like, what are the um, preseason props? Like, what are you putting out? And I just keep having to tell these people. It's like, we got to wait. I gave out two already, which I love. And I thought the lines were going to move. And we have seen them move on books because I thought they were broken lines. But we have to wait until spring training is over, at least close to over, because you don't know what type of injuries can flare up. Imagine I give out a prop that I really like and some guy goes down. That's why you haven't seen me give it on MVP picks. Worlds like I've given out some World Series picks because I believe in this team. But in terms of player awards, player props for the season, those are coming, but they just can't come right now. Imagine if you bet on Jacob DeGrom over strikeouts. Or I was going to I was going to ask you that because I know you're a little bit more confident in his ability to stay healthy. 
but not even to like corner you. Just I think this is just like a thought exercise. Like if if yeah. there was a, a Degrom over strikeout prop that looked pretty appetizing, would you take it? Like I, I don't think I could put a buck on on Jacob Degrom anything. Yeah, betting with my money is much different than a belief. Like I bet on things like I know, for example, I'm not betting on any second year guy this year. Any of them, not one rod Harris, any of them, none of them, because you don't know the second year. We have no idea what's going to happen. We can say, look at all these numbers. Look at what they did as Stephen Kwan. For example, I can't do it. I bet on guys who have been in the league for five to six years. I know what they are at this point. I have plenty of projection systems, and I can find an edge based on that. That's why all of the projection systems, the Excel sheets, they're available on my dub club. Again, it's still free to subscribe until opening day if you want to see those. But that's kind of where I'm leading. Like I, I'm going, and that's what's burned me in the past. There's a belief that we should get to this. For example, young guys like, we think they're going to be like this, but betting with my money, I need a huge sample size. Yep. And the Texas Rangers are the definition of not enough sample size to really no. go off of. No. Um, and our last one, this is a good rotation. This is a great rotation. I think this might be 11 uh, based on a higher floor because the San Diego Padres have you Darvish, Joe Musgrove and Blake Snell. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, we don't even really need to talk about that. I think what we should talk about, of course, and maybe the most common conversation that we've had on this podcast over this offseason is the back end of the Padres rotation. They signed Michael Walker, which I like. But anyone who's looking deeper into Michael Walker's stats see incredible regression. Now, doesn't necessarily mean that's going to happen, but it's something to watch out for. Then you look at the five starter with Nick Martinez, Seth Lugos, Seth Lugo. They're relievers, but Nick Martinez in a five role, I'm much more confident in than Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo. Now, if they didn't sign Michael Walker, I'd be a little bit more nervous, but even bringing Michael Walker into the fold, I'm not so excited that he's going to have this great season, but the Padres have to be on our honorable mentions because the top three are so great. And then you move to kind of an unknown there with four and five Walker helps a lot. Cause I, you know, I, I, I didn't like the ideas we talked about in the past of needing both Martinez and uh, both Martinez and Lugo. Now, technically speaking, you only need one of Martinez or Lugo to perform in the rotation and then assume that Walker can, can, you know, kind of, kind of hold one of the spots there. Or another way of thinking about it is Two of Waka, Martinez, and Lugo have to prove that they can hold down a rotation spot. That makes me feel a lot better than both of those guys needing to perform because we we both and all of us have talked about on the podcast you know, the questions around you know, those two guys that have not really started much in Martinez and Lugo hardly ever. I I also feel better about Martinez than Lugo. And I think if, if Martinez is your four and Waka is your five, I think you feel a lot better about that. And if Waka does hit this wall of regression, then you plug Lugo in there. Feel a lot better about that. So uh, then the three-headed monster at the top, too, uh, of Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove, who did break his his pinky toe or something like that uh, in the weight room, but he should be fine. Uh, I mean, that that three-headed monster is, is, is money, right? Like, you're going to feel really good about getting a quality start from those three guys 60% of the time, right? So uh, I think that those... Those three guys alone put this put this rotation right on the brink of top 10. I agree. But at number 10, this is a uh, rotation that we had to move down. And it's because Tyler Glass now hit another snag. And number 10, we have the Tampa Bay Rays headlined by Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, who developed this breaking ball and is just so damn good now. That's- Zach Eflin is big in the fantasy baseball circles. I know our guy Colby and our guy Clay have been talking about him on the Just Fantasy Baseball show. That's been awesome. Um, Definitely a podcast that you guys should check out as fantasy baseball season approaches. But Jeffrey Springs was awesome too. Disgusting. And then they have, yeah, and then they have Tyler Glass now and like whatever you're kind of going to get from him. And we know that the Rays just have pitchers up and down the pipeline who they can bring up um, basically kind of at any time. But with Glass now, now again hitting a snag, it's constant with him, and it yeah. infuriates me because I swear on everything I love. <laughs> when Tyler Glass now pitches, 
it looks like one of the best pitchers I've ever seen. He's six foot eight with that extension, throwing 98 mile an hour fastballs with high spin in the box. It must look like 104. Yeah. And then he breaks off this beautiful, beautiful curveball, mixing in an incredible slider that he developed last year. It looks as good as anyone we saw in the playoffs. Like when he pitches, he is as good as anyone, but he doesn't pitch. He doesn't. He threw six innings last year in the regular season. I can't. But then they have Shane, they have Drew, they have, you know, plenty of guys. So they will be a good rotation. But Tyler Glass now. But Taj Bradley is coming up. Yep. And that's a guy who I really want to talk to you about because I remember when we were there at the Futures game, I sent you a text because I was sitting up behind home plate watching Taj Bradley pitch. And the Taj Bradley fastball is coming in at 95. And I'm like, this is faster than 95. Yeah. Like, I swear, this no. is 100. This high spin heater is incredible that he's got the breaking ball, too. I know he's kind of getting further along in his progression. Do you see him making an impact this year? Yeah, I really do. I really do. Because that riding that riding fastball you saw, like it, it it's continued to tick up. The slider is nasty. And now he's been working on a split. And the mm. split is starting to, to get more comfortable for him. If he's got that split playing, too, I mean – He's going to be gross. It's going to be a problem. So I think we're going to see him early enough to factor him in here um, in terms of like our assessment of the Rays organization and or excuse me, our assessment of the Rays rotation. Um, so I think we see him early enough to, to be a contributor for this rotation. Um, I, I do hope McClanahan can stay healthy. I think that's another interesting wrinkle in this, you know, getting that shot at the end of last year. He has looked pretty good this spring so far. Um, Jeffrey Springs, the fact that the Rays were, were already willing to extend him, I think shows you how they feel about him. So if Taj Bradley is is that other alternate that can fit in here, I think that definitely keeps this rotation in that conversation. Uh, but yeah, a healthy Glass now, this is a top what rotation if, if Glass now is healthy. I mean, imagine Shane Boz being healthy. Huh. Yeah, if you've got Boz and Glass now, it's probably a top five rotation. I might venture to say it's the best in baseball. Like you have a healthy Glass now, Shane McClanahan, Shane Boz. Taj Bradley, Drew Rasmussen, and then you have like Jeffrey Springs as the six. Yeah. That's and the F1. best rotation in baseball. Yeah, that that that's that's the deepest and most ridiculous rotation. So I mean they could get there. They could. Uh, but man, I I'm I'm Glass now is another one where it's just like you're hoping that this is the year, and then he doesn't even have give you time for any suspense. He gets hurt, you know, right away. Uh and yeah. that was an it was an oblique for Glass now. Is that what it was? Almost positive, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, hopefully. I have it right here. It was an oblique. So might take a little while. Uh, thank goodness it's not like an arm issue. But, you know, again, we might not see him for a little bit. Yeah, and obliques certainly aren't good. Like, no. you use your oblique a lot in baseball, whether it's hitting or pitching. We see guys oh, yeah. go down with oblique injuries a lot, and they hurt. They don't come back anytime soon. And number nine, team with a lot of upside. But what are we going to get? Los Angeles Dodgers come in at number nine. Julio Arias, obviously, we know what we're going to get. We're going to get top-of-the-line starting pitching, one of the best left-handers in Major League Baseball. We think we know what we're going to get from Kershaw, 130 innings at a 2.28 ERA last year. Fantastic, but again, his back. Like yeah. We don't know exactly what we're going to get from Clayton Kershaw this year. I'm assuming greatness, because that's what you should do when you're going into a season and Clayton Kershaw's on your team, but you never know. Tony Gonsolin, I don't mean to be rude, but sometimes, you know, I thought um, there's uh, the new host of The Daily Show. He said something funny. It was like, there is LinkedIn you, and then there is iMessage you. The LinkedIn you is what you want people to see. The what you text in the deep depths of the night is who you really are. And I've called, I'll admit, I've called Tony Gonsolin, Tony Fraudslin. I don't believe in him. (laughs) You don't believe in him? I don't know if I believe in him. I believe in some of the stuff, but I don't know if I believe he was that good as if what he did last year. Maybe he proves me completely wrong and I changed my tune. But as of right now, I'm still in the Tony Fronsolent trade. But that's that's me. Then you look at Dustin May. What is he going to give us this year? He's kind of similar to a glass now where you watch him pitch and you wonder how can anyone ever get a hit? off 97 with this incredible sink to it with a breaking ball and incredible extension. And then you have Noah Syndergaard who cam, who is our new writer over here at just baseball.com. One of his favorite bets for the season is his under on ERA. What is he going to give us? Like there's so many question marks beyond 
Julio Arias. But at the same time, there's so many great names in this. It's a really tough rotation to know what will happen. A hundred percent. And this is another org, though, that a couple guys that are really knocking on the door that could plug in at some point pretty early. Um, That does help me feel a little bit better because I do think Syndergaard can be a serviceable four or five for them. I don't think he's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a Dodgers magic act here. Uh, But I do think like we saw Fangraph's projections for Syndergaard. It's around a four two six ERA. 157 innings. If he gives them that, I think they're over the moon. I think that that's fantastic to just give them consistency in the back end of the rotation. We know what Arias is. I agree. Like Kershaw, I, I think you you, you got to hope for 120 again and, and go with that. I'm really, I think Dustin May is the X factor here, right? Because Dustin May, as you mentioned, has the stuff to be a frontline guy, uh, but also we've never really seen him throw more than 60 innings in a season. So, you know, what what version are we going to get from Dustin May? Are we going to get the guy that he was starting to flash being uh, before he went down with the Tommy John surgery? I think that's the big question. But I, I also think there's a good chance we see one of Bobby Miller and or, uh, you know, Gavin Stone at some point this season. I think Tony Gonsolin has great stuff. I, I don't doubt the quality of the slider. I, I think, you know, he, he's got good stuff, but also a guy that got gets hurt all the time, sprained his ankle a couple days ago already again. Uh, x-rays were negative on that, but like Gonsolin's a guy that has been hurt every single year. Um, so, you know, you're, we're talking about a lot of injuries in this rotation, but they do hedge that with, with several big league ready guys. And then I know a Syndergaard in there as well. So, um, Volatility, though, this this rotation could be fantastic as well. I think they're in a similar boat as, as the Rays and even the Marlins, as we talked about. Yeah, imagine having Walker Bueller in this rotation. Yeah. Then we're having a yeah, completely different that? conversation. I'm curious, too. They lost Tyler Anderson. Do you think that was a mistake? I kind of do, man. I do. I, I, I was surprised to see them let him go. Maybe that there's something that they saw in the numbers there or something that they thought that maybe would restrict him from replicating what he did. But don't you feel like that's kind of exactly what they could use here? Like, I don't have confidence in a Ryan Pepe out or, or, or really plugging in the rookies. Like, I think they could be could be helpful. But I, I think you know what you're getting with Tyler Anderson. I was surprised that they didn't keep him. I was also surprised that they didn't, like, maybe offer Heaney that two-year deal. One of them. One because- of them. Because I thought it was so interesting. I remember we talked about it on the Just Baseball show. It was the day after Andrew Heaney signed. And I said, I think it was you and Jack were both on it. And I said, that's going to work. And the reason I said that was going to work was because they signed him almost immediately. Free agency opens, Andrew Heaney were on the phone with him. They yeah. found something in his slider. Then the only problem was because he got hurt because he was awesome yeah, he was with fantastic. the Dodgers. I'm curious that they wouldn't parlay that. It's like you were right. Yeah, but is that all you wanted them. him for? Just 92 innings and then he's gone? Yeah. Why wouldn't you give him the two? That's why I was confused. One of the two guys I would have thought they would have retained. And and I guess that says that they have confidence in in some of these younger guys. It's going to be a really interesting, uh, interesting season because I think it's just continues to be echoed by us here. And again, it's still a top 10 rotation. But this is the, I think, the most question marks we've seen around the L.A. Dodgers since the inception of the Just Baseball show, right? Like, And I know we're not talking about like 20 years here, but even over the last handful of seasons, even over the last couple of years, this is the most, I think, you know, uneasy we've been about the behemoth that is the L.A. Dodgers. A team that I know you really like going into this season, and they check in at number eight on our top 10 rotations list, that's the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> Headlined by Alec Manoa and Kevin Gosman, two of the best pitchers in baseball last year. They get Chris Bassett from the Mets. Jose Barrios was about as bad as humanly possible last year, as was Yusei Kikuchi. And then they have Hyunjin Ryu as well at the back of the rotation, but he is, of course, banged up. This is a fascinating one, and we can talk about Bassett, Barrios, and Kikuchi in a minute, but I really want to start with Manoa. Because Gosman at this point, I feel like we know what he is. With yeah. the Giants, he was awesome. And then he part and then he goes to the Blue Jays. He's awesome. He's not the two five ERA guy, but a three three with that many shortcuts and walks. He was one of the league leaders in war. Like he that that guy plays. We know him. Yep. Manoa is fascinating. And I don't know if you've looked into the deeper numbers with Manoa. Uh, yeah. What is with that? I know he doesn't strike out a lot of guys. I know he has some walks, but the man induces Soft contact, like for a guy who has the big XERA, the big FIP, XFIP, 92nd percentile and a hard hit rate against. Yeah, he doesn't have strikeout stuff, but that's not really his game. 
I fell in love with him at the All-Star game and then watched him in the second half. I thought he was dynamite. Yeah. But my analytical brain, my gambling brain, looking for regression, looking for value, thinks to myself, is he the guy to fade next year? The guy who had a 2-4 ERA, everyone's going to be on him. The Blue Jays, of course, are going to be crazy, crazy overvalued when he pitches. But will they truly be overvalued? That is the one pitcher that I cannot seem to grasp because my baseball brain, I said this yesterday, believes in Alec Manoa. I think he's going to be totally fine. My analytical brain says, this guy might be a 3-5-ish. He's projected by Fangraphs to have like a 4-1 next year. Yeah, I think that – I don't know what they use in roster resource, but in roster resource, he's projected to have a 3-7-5. I was just going to mention that. Like, that's that's really high. If you told Alec Manoa he was going to have a 3-7-5 this year, he'd be livid. Uh, yeah. He'd tell you to shove it. Um, you know, and I think he's made that clear. Like, he he will advocate for himself. I, I do like I do like the way he is not afraid. I love to. him. I love the way he carries he, himself. He's he's a dog. He's from Miami. He's 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 got that, like, that – that dog mentality and you can see it on the mound. He's got, he's got the like he makes me when I watch him have like that bottom upper lip that you see in Wolf of Wall Street when Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio yeah. is like yelling at everyone like yeah he's just like, <laughs> like, yeah. like like come at me yeah like try, yeah. try and fuck with me and that's why I think he's gonna outperform the metrics right like that right? literally right there is why I think he outperforms the metrics but I, I do think he's due for a little bit of regression like he, he definitely was I think overperforming to a degree, a two, two, four is pretty absurd. Uh, but I also think that the X FIP is, is a little bit too harsh. I think he's somewhere between what the X ERA and, and the actual ERA was last year. He was a three, three, one X ERA, two, two, four ERA. If he's a two, nine to, to even three guy, which is more favoring the X ERA, that's still a phenomenal, you know, one slash two starter. And I think that's what he's going to be. I, I really do. Cause you mentioned the weak contact. He's always going to get that. Uh, that outfield is spectacular defensively. We know they've got one of the best third basemen in baseball in Matt Chapman. Uh, I, you know, Bobachette could be better at shortstop, but overall, I think that they've got the defense they've got, you know, that I think he's proven to be able to outperform it. And it's been all the way since the minors. So I like Manoa. I believe in him though. I do think he, he takes a little bit of a step back. I think Gossman is Gossman. It really comes down to, and I think Bassett's Bassett, honestly, I don't, I don't have much question about Bassett giving you a high three ZRA. What do you get from Kikuchi and Barrios? And, and honestly, I can't believe this is a question, but who do you think is better in 2023? Barrios or Kikuchi? It's a crazy thing that that's a question, but you know it's a good question. It is a good question. <laughs> and I would go Barrios because it's Jose Barrios. But at the same time, he has major issues. Yeah. Major. And you say Kikuchi's look great in spring. That's I don't know thing. if you watch it, look great in spring. Yeah. He's got a beard now. Looks great. My issue because I think both of them will be better than last year, which is important. Like if they're better than they were last year, this rotation is better. Yeah. I think the X factor is Bassett because dude, I have this deep, dark feeling in the pit of my stomach that that contract is going to age terribly. Really? I just, I don't know. There's something about it. It's like, well, I'll never I question the gut guys. feeling, man. I'll yeah, always, it's, I'll it's, always respect the gut feeling. It's a gut feeling. Like, it's not really based on a ton. I don't need like, you to back obviously, it up. Yeah, there's some... Me- well, I'll just back it up slightly. There's some metrics that would point to it, but it's like... It's just like... I don't know if that's going to work. I think this guy's a little bit older. I didn't like him at the tail end of the season for the Mets. He was a guy who I kind of... I don't like him in the playoffs, that's for sure. Yeah, I that's just sure. like... Ah, he's the three? Yeah. Uh, like there's and he shouldn't. Well, he shouldn't be. That's the, that's the fucking thing. It should Jose Barrio should be one of the best threes in baseball. That's what he's being paid to fucking do. Like it yeah. is crazy to me. Um, but yeah, like losing I, Ross Stripling sucks. He was great for them last year. That's the thing, and that is a subtraction. Uh, I I think the one two it, it keeps them up there, and and Bassett you know hedges some of the the issues in the back end. But like Barrios and Kikuchi are better names at four or five, uh, and could be good four or fives. But I got just as much concern about them at the four, four and five as some of the other four and fives we've mentioned already in this podcast. So I think also we should say we just spent a lot of time not bashing the Blue Jays, but just like highlighting the concerns. On the other side, if you want a glass half full approach to this Blue Jays rotation, could be the best in baseball. Imagine Brios bounces back to what he was. 
you say Kikuchi bounces back to what he was. Chris Bassett is as good as he was with the Mets over the entire season, and Manoa and Gosman keep doing their thing. This could be an incredibly elite rotation, but it's just such a tough one to gauge. That's why it's like at eight, I feel like that's a good ranking for them. Yeah, I think it's a good spot for them. At number seven, we have the Philadelphia Phillies, who have less question marks than the Blue Jays. Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler at the top, enough said. These two are as good as any pitchers in Major League Baseball. Ranger Suarez, man, this guy just impresses me. He, on the biggest stage against the Astros, looked like one of the Phillies pitchers that you can depend on in the regular season. He's just been great. He's got a good pitch mix. He's just a solid-ass pitcher, and it's time we give Ranger Suarez his flag. He reminds me of Nestor. He reminds me like he's got a lot of similarities with Nestor. They just overperform and and get outs on a low 90s fastball that you don't know how it gets so many swings and misses, but it does. I almost think he's like a poor man's Framber in that way as well. Like just kind of from that mold, just they go after you with a couple of pitches and it works and they just yeah. have good command. And he's just a good pitcher. But on the other side, I'm not a Taiwan Walker guy, but yeah. has a four or five. Like what? What am I saying here? He's going to yeah, be fine. Yeah. He's going to be a four yeah, if, if you know, guy. Yeah. With a ton of innings. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, do I like the contract he got? No, not my money, though. And we're not we're not weighing most, you know, best bargained rotations. Right. We're we're just ranking these rotations. And if Walker's your four, you're 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 in great shape. And then they have Andrew Painter. We could talk about Bailey Falter for a minute, but yeah. Andrew Painter, I got to say, is much more entertaining. Like a million yeah. times more entertaining. Andrew Painter could be that dude. He could be the guy who starts opening day and looks like Aaron Noller or Zach Wheeler. Maybe it takes him a few years. Maybe it's not this season. But man, the potential is just glowing off this kid. Glowing. 99. He's throwing 95 on our cutters. And yeah. he looks as good as anybody, any young pitcher in baseball. The cutter was, was a big addition. And if, I hope so much that he's healthy. We're still kind of waiting to hear more on what's up with that elbow um, yeah. and to see what the deal is there. I assume it's more precautionary. But man, if he is healthy, I, that that is an X factor here. I don't like to just count on rookies right away, but you can count like him, Yuri, Grayson, Stuff those guys, you can count on those guys to be solid pitchers immediately. Are they going to hit their ceilings? I don't know, but I can bet you that they will be good fours and fives from the get go and give you flashes of way more than that. Um, so if Painter is is healthy and in the fold here, you know, I think we might be a little delayed now. So the, the unfortunate part is, does that mean we're subjected to Bailey falter uh, a couple times around? Like, I guess, but that he's not the worst. Like if that's not your five, worst. that's okay. Yeah. But the second Painter plugs in there. This rotation is one through five, a bunch of dudes. Falter was like fine last year in the regular season for for what it's worth. (laughs) One question for you, assuming health. Let's say we get good news from the elbow thing for Painter. More likely he has a season like Spencer Strider last year or more likely he flames out and is clearly not ready. I think it's so much closer to what Strider can do. Yeah, assuming he's 100% healthy, you know, and I'm sure it's going to take a little time for him to get back. But yeah, w- with that stuff, with the fastball in the upper 90s, with 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 what he already is able to do command-wise, I'd be willing to bet, you know, and obviously that's, that's a, a crazy ceiling, but also a crazy floor of flaming out. I'd be willing to bet that he'd be closer to that ceiling based on just what I've seen from him already. And... This next team at number six, I fought for them to be in the top five because I love this rotation. And at number six is the Milwaukee Brewers. Corbin Burns, for my money, might be the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. You could have an argument between him and Sandy and DeGrom. I would pick Sandy and DeGrom, but like you could make a very good argument for Corbin Burns, who is number one in war over the past two seasons of all pitchers in Major League Baseball at 12. Then you have Woodruff, who threw 150-ish innings last year, you know, dealt with an injury a little bit. But I think when this guy pitches, he's still like a top 20, 25 player. He's ranked 26 in our rankings, but I think he should have been higher. I'm a huge Brandon Woodruff guy, huge strikeout Fantastic guy. Second Fantastic, Fantastic second half. Fantastic second half. Dominant stuff. Freddie Peralta, a guy, again, who we were team Freddie. This yeah, was he, the Freddie podcast when we first started, yeah, and yeah. he came out 2-8 ERA in 144 innings. Looked incredible. Then dealt with an injury, only threw about 70-ish innings, but still looked like when he got finally settled, looked like the Freddie Peralta. Barring injury, 
one of the best threes in baseball in my eyes because I think he'd be a two in most rotations and a one in some. Then you have slight question marks, but it's not like the Phillies. Like, I think Eric Lauer is fine. I think, like, how much better is Tywin Walker going to be than Eric Lauer next year? Like, I think Eric Lauer might end up with a better ERA than him. Then you look at a guy like Wade Miley, who is the definition of a solid five, better than Bailey Falter in my eyes, who just 4-2 ERA, ton of innings, not going to strike anybody out. It's going to be a boring game because Wade Miley is starting, but they're going to get wins out of him. And then, of course, you have Aaron Ashby as kind of the X factor who could come in, maybe play a relief role, but maybe start really, really good stuff. Young lefty. This rotation, I think, is so damn solid, and the Cardinals should watch their backs because if all of these guys are healthy all year, they have a dangerous five. Yeah, and they got some guys knocking on the door too, and and so they just have depth, which I like too. You know, you got Ethan Small who you could plug in there if if you're banged up. You got Robert Gasser, who's you know a borderline top 100 prospect lefty that came over in that Josh Hader deal. He's a very talented arm who has shown some really good flashes and should be big league ready at some point this year. Uh, but to go back to your point of of Burns and Woodruff, I mean, it doesn't get much more exciting than that. A healthy Peralta, we know that that's a that's a bona fide three at least. Um, health is big there, but uh, he looked good when he came back. He's still just twenty six, and yeah, I mean, Lauer similar to Walker. Like if Lauer's your four, you're not you're not upset about that. He, he showed flashes of being a really solid pitcher. I think he's a high threes guy, and I think that's fine. And then Miley as that alternate at your five spot with either, like you said, if Ashby's okay with the shoulder fatigue, uh, if some of the other guys that I just mentioned could plug in and be options. I I like this rotation a lot. I I feel I like this team. Like we'll talk about it in the previews. I I always am a sucker for the Brewers. Um, And I think I'm, I think I'm going to be suckered in this year again. Uh, But I will say, I think this rotation, that was one when you brought it up, I was like, man, I got no strong opinion one way or another, but I hear you on all of that. and, And, and I'm with you. Like, I could see this rotation being top five without a problem. I think they're going to be dangerous. I'm definitely going to have some hot takes about the Brewers when it comes to the the, uh, NL Central. But getting into the top five, the Yankees. And the Yankees are interesting. My Yankees. You got Garrett Cole at the top. You got Carlos Rodon, Nestor Cortez Jr., Luis Severino, Frankie Montas if he comes back healthy. And then you got Domingo Herman. You got Clark Schmidt. You got a couple of arms there. Carlos Rodon. Seven to 10 days, he will not pitch due to a strained forearm. Yeah. Comments from Brian Cashman says, we hope we see him in April. That worries the shit out of me. Yeah, that doesn't sound like shit out of me. (laughs) We remember Walker Bueller came out strained forearm. What happened after Tommy John? Yeah, I'm not saying that's going to happen. We don't know the full details yet it could just be something little and he's back and then this is great and the yankees could be the second best rotation in baseball correct but with montis going down my hatred for domingo herman nestor like we love nestor and we think that nestor will continue to be great but of course we don't know we have no idea we really have no idea yeah the only constant we know is garrett cole who had a three five era last year there's a ton of questions but again, the upside of this rotation oh. is best in baseball. Best in baseball. So that's why five feels like a good spot for him. I mean, just dude, a healthy Sevy is, uh, I think, a top thirty arm, and I think, I think a lot of big league, a big, a lot of big league hitters would agree with that. I mean, he's routinely brought up as one of the nastier guys that you're you're going to face in the big leagues if you if you're a big league hitter. Um, and and he, we saw what he did last year. He was he was spectacular when he was on the field. Um. I, I we I believe in Nestor. I think we all do. But how much do you get? You know, is it 130 innings, 140 innings, 150 innings? We'll have to see and see how his body holds up because he's coming off of his first real full season. Um, yeah, Cole, I, I think will even be better than last year. I, I think that there was some bad luck in there, and you know, we saw how good he was on 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 the playoff stage. But I, I do believe in the depth here, too, which which does make me feel a little bit better. Like, I think Clark Schmidt, we talked about in the past. Like I think Clark Schmidt's a fine plug-in guy as a, as a five and spot starter. I think some of the other guys that they have in the mix, like Randy Vasquez and some others that they get, Johnny Brito, they, Yo Andres Gomez, even they could throw in there. Like, the Yankees can piece it together uh, and, and have some success. But I agree. Like, the, the top end, the top end outcome here is best rotation in baseball because – 
Rodon was a top 10 arm last year. Cole is pretty much you know regarded as a top 10 arm, whether he's given up the homers or not. Severino, we just talked about how good he can be. And then Nestor Cortez was a top 30 arm, top 35 arm in baseball last year by the numbers. So I mean, this could easily be the best rotation in baseball. Uh, but like so many others, we're talking about health here. Uh, the good news for the Yankees is they hedge that with, with some depth and a great bullpen. So, you just came out with your top 10 prospects for the Yankees system. Yes. And you and I have been texting and I sent you a couple of names and you mentioned Brito, you mentioned Randy Vasquez, you mentioned Gomez, but one name that I really wanted you to check out because a guy who I was excited about and I saw in other publications, they were excited about him too is Will Warren. Yeah. yeah. Who could maybe serve as the Yankees next Hayden Wesneski, who yes. we saw traded over to the Chicago Cubs in exchange for Scott Efros. And Scott Efros, unfortunately, now Tommy John. Yeah. So the Yankees look like they lost that trade because of how good Wesneski could be for the Chicago Cubs. But they might have another one in the pipeline, and that is Will Warren. When you were making your top 10 prospects list, what did you see with Will Warren and what should Yankee fans expect from him this year? Yeah, that was exactly what I saw. It was like when I saw that, I was like, ah, now I get why they traded Hayden Wesneski. They got another one right here uh, who's younger and and might have, you know, a little bit more of a bag in terms of his stuff. Although Wesneski has continued to tweak it and now looks like he's got a pretty deep bag of stuff. I think Warren is going to be a top 100 prospect by midseason update. And I think I think Warren could be a guy that we see up there if they really need an arm because he's kind of the, the guy that they need in that rotation in regards to not being a fly ball pitcher. There's a lot of fly ball pitchers in, in this rotation for Yankee Stadium. Will Warren is nasty slider. It's that Yankee sweeper, and it's that heavy fastball. He gets a lot of ground balls. Uh, he gets a lot of weak contact, and I think he'd be the perfect back end of the rotation innings eater for the Yankees. I think that's what they're planning on, and there's a chance he could plug in this year and be a guy for them. Of all the names we mentioned before, um, I mentioned them ahead of Warren because they're closer to big league ready, but I think Warren will be better and more reliable than all of them. Like those guys are plugins when Warren's ready. I want that guy sticking in the rotation every fifth day, because I really do think he's that safe of an arm. And number four, the Houston Astros have almost as much upside as the Yankees, but I think even at this point, they might have a safer floor. Um, and that's, Framber Valdez at the top, Christian Javier following him. Then you have a guy like Luis Garcia, who's kind of the definition of solid at this point. Yeah. Jose Arquiti has gotten blasted in spring training, but <laughs> I don't know how much stock I put into that. Jack had a funny note about Tom Hamilton, his um, his comments about Jose Arquiti and Hunter Brown. Like, what are we going to get? Because mostly been a bullpen guy, but we know, at least I know now, never doubt the Astros' development when it comes to starting pitchers. Just don't care if you don't like them. Just don't doubt them. You could say, oh, I'm not as high as others, but I've learned. Don't count them out. Christian Javier, don't count them out. Yeah. And then Lance McCullers should come back when? Middle of the season? So this team, they hedge upside. I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but basically they have a good combination of upside and floor with Valdez, Javier and Garcia. And then they have Hunter Brown who could be the rookie of the year or could not make the full season. Where do you lean on Hunter Brown? Because I feel like that's the most important part of this rotation. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I think people have gotten really excited about Hunter Brown because of the Astros effect, because his mechanics look like Justin Verlander. Um, I like Hunter Brown a lot. I, I wrote a piece kind of breaking down his arsenal and why I think he can be a dude for them. And it also helps when you throw 20 innings of, of like one run ball or two run ball in the big leagues, you know, to, to start your career. Uh, that was also in a like long relief kind of role. He made a couple starts. They didn't really stretch him out that much. Swingman type. Yeah, he was really in that swingman role. Like Javier. And I think he can be fantastic in that swingman role, but I don't know how his command is going to hold up every fifth day. And I think if anybody tells you that they that they're positive that it will, I, I think they're they're just buying into the system a little too much. There, um, he's always had command issues. That's why he wasn't really uh, a, a top. 100 consensus top 100 prospect going into the year. I think he could be a really solid back end of the rotation arm, but you know, I I, I don't know if the command is going to be there to be that like number three type right away, but it's possible. I, I just think that uh, some people might be getting a little ahead of themselves here because if he does have some command fits, I I, I do think that he, he could struggle a little bit and have a rookie season as a starter. But I do kind of believe in the fan graphs projections there mid to high three ZRA. I think that's probably what Brown can give you. Uh, but that's also 
pretty solid for a, a number four starter. I, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, yeah, is he the five? I, I almost consider Urquidy the five. Yeah, which is fine, <laughs> and which is very reasonable. And then they're going to get back Lance McCullers Jr., who when healthy is great. But even like we bash Urquidy, and like trust me, like I I don't think he's good. But like he's done 342 innings in his career. He's made 60 starts. He's got a 3.74 ERA. Like, can we just pencil yeah. that guy into just being a, like a fine five? Like, yeah, I think we right. Can. Like, so if he's a fine five, I think the big question is: Is Luis Garcia a bona fide three, and is Hunter Brown going to be a bona fide four? I think those are the two questions, and I can't answer the the, the rookie question other than you know what what I think he's going to be, which I think is a solid four. I'm interested if Luis Garcia is going to be closer to a four or a three. That is my question here, but I, I do feel fine about this rotation. Like I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Number three, this is a rotation that I am so excited for. Oh my gosh. I love this rotation. Number three, Seattle Mariners. Luis Castillo is the headliner at the top. Dog. Logan Gilbert at the number two spot. Dog. And he's been working on a splitter, which looks nasty. I've saw, seen that in some of his uh, preseason videos. He looks great. George Kirby, I'm as excited about him as any young pitcher in Major League Baseball. When you have command like that of just so many different pitches, there's some concerns there because a lot of them are kind of not similar. It's just 70% of his pitches are cutters and sinkers and four seams. But he's still just so freaking good. I loved watching him in the playoffs, especially against those Astros where he threw seven shutout innings. Robbie Ray, like we make fun of him, but when Robbie Ray's your four, yeah. that's awesome. I mean, that's incredible. He'd be a three in most rotations in baseball. And if he is, if he improves from last year, which was a down year for him, like he's awesome. He's, he's a great four. And then you have like a combination of Marco Gonzalez and Chris, Chris Flexen, who are the definition of guys who just get outs. Yeah. They're not sexy. Their stuff isn't great. They're not going to put up great numbers, but they just get outs and they they fill innings for a team with an unbelievable bullpen who only needs four to five out of them on any given day, maybe just three. This rotation is unbelievably great. Yeah, I think the bad postseason, you know, the the coming out of the bullpen and just giving up the the bomb for Robbie Ray kind of left a bad taste in our mouths. He's Jordan, and he's not a reliever. Like, yeah, I mean, this guy, look, he was he was three seventy RA. I think he'll improve from that. He, even a lot of the underlying numbers point towards that, but he struck out more than ten per nine, right? Like his command was was fine, and that was the big issue, right? Was he used to walk guys in droves? He was still walking less than three per nine. I think he's going to be fine. I actually think he's going to improve this year a little bit. But again, if that's your four, you're in great shape because I feel very confident about the top three. I think Luis Castillo has proven he's an ace. I think Logan Gilbert and and George Kirby are phenomenal two and three right there. And I would be concerned about the five slot if they didn't have two mediocre guys. Like if you're going to have a mediocre five slot, have two mediocre guys and ride the hot hand. We've seen flex and comfortable coming out of the pen. He might do that. But if Marco Gonzalez struggles, then bam, he plugs right back into the rotation. But Marco Gonzalez is a guy that has overperformed the the metrics as long as he has been in the big leagues, right? Like he will forever overperform the metrics. You look at his career numbers, a 4.08 ERA, a 4.65 XFIP. He's always been a guy that overperforms it. And last year was his second highest innings total of his career. And he posted a 4.13 ERA. He didn't strike anybody out, but if that's your five, like that's fine. And if he doesn't pan out, Chris Flexen is a five, a fine five as well. Let's say both of them suck. Emerson Hancock and Bryce Miller are right there. Bryce Miller. Yeah. I mean, and, and Hancock's apparently look good. Bryce Miller is a guy that I think they will, that will plug in and, and be good right away with, uh, he'll probably be the only 80 grade fastball we got on the top 100. But how about like Matt Brash? We, we know that he was way more successful in the bullpen, but again, emergency, you plug that guy in the rotation. Things could click for him there. They've got so many options. I think this rotation could, could easily you know be up there with any of them. And that's why I love that we have him as high as three. But at number two, the Braves are pretty damn electric. Yeah. How about Max Freed? One of the best pitchers He's overall in baseball. One of the best lefties in baseball. Spencer Strider, maybe the best 130 innings last year yeah. out of anybody. Yeah. Kyle Wright, we joke that he won 20 games and how funny that, that is and how wins don't matter. But overall, Kyle Wright was great. Yeah. Like 
If you win 20 games, you're doing something right. But we can talk about all the numbers all day. But Kyle Wright is a great three. One of the best threes in baseball. Charlie Morton, like, he's going to chuck. He's still good. No pun intended. Like, he's still that guy. Like, he's still going to give you innings where you win ball games. And he's at the bottom of the rotation. And then you have bounce back candidates in Ian Anderson. Remember Mike Soroka? Does anyone remember him? Because he was elite as a rookie and has just been dealing with injury after injury after Achilles after everything year over year over year. But if he comes back and then they got Jared Schuster waiting yeah, in the wings, I love Schuster. like, dude, this rotation is so good. They they are the definition of tons of upside with a great floor. Love this rotation. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. Like, what, what else do you want out of a rotation? You have upside and you have a floor. Um, That's pretty much checks every box for you, right? And Schuster has been fantastic this spring. And then they've also got Bryce Elder who is another really good just alternative option. I'm worried about Ian Anderson, but that said, like if Soroka, like you mentioned, is healthy, that makes their rotation. And that's a big if, but that makes the rotation. They have an outside shot at, at having the best rotation in baseball if, with a healthy Soroka. They could probably still be the best rotation in baseball without him. With him, it's a, it's a joke. But on top of that, having an elder, you know, having a Schuster knocking on the door, having the other guys that they have involved there. And Ian Anderson, which is so tough because this guy was you know, two outings in the same series against the Dodgers carving them. Like if that guy can re- rediscover any of that, then this rotation is insane. And Morton, you know, people can point towards the age. He got better as the year went on and he had a better second half. So I still think Morton's got plenty left in the tank. He was coming off of a broken freaking leg, for goodness sake. Like, I think he had to get his legs under him, literally. Uh, This rotation is insane. I feel safe about it. And I also think it could be even better than than we think, uh, you know, and that a lot of people think going into this year. But at number one, I think the rotation that has no questions because I think every rotation that we've talked about, there's something that it's like, oh, maybe, but oh, maybe not. Yeah. With the New York Mets at number one, what's the question? Verlander and Scherzer, enough said. Kodai Senga, I guess, is a question because, but the question is, will he be elite or pretty good? Like, I think that's where we're at with him. It's not, oh, will he be terrible? It's, Will he be incredible or solid? Yeah. And then you have Cookie Carrasco, who I think is kind of one of these underrated pitchers this year. You forget about Carlos Carrasco. I think he's as solid of a four as they come. And then like Quintana. Yeah. I mean, he was amazing last year. But then again, he goes up and down. But like that place, like as a five, that place. And then David Peterson is a guy that I know a lot of Mets fans are really excited about, and they think that he should get starts every fifth day. And I know Ryan Finkelstein, our managing editor, is all aboard the David Peterson propaganda engine. And I started to jump on board them last year because he has damn good stuff. He really does. And the fact that that's your six, like if you have a problem, there is no problem, though. So it's like, will he? He only will if an injury happens. And of course, we can't project injuries. Yeah. But even if someone does slotting in David Peterson, like is David Peterson better than Eric Lauer? Like he's right there. Yeah, he's right there. Like that's it's an incredibly deep rotation filled with Young Award winners, upside, high floors. Yep, it's as good as it gets. I mean, yeah, you, you got two Hall of Famers, like you mentioned, Quintana, and it was almost like a perfect thought exercise here because Quintana hits the IL with a stress fracture in his rib. I assume he'll be back relatively early in the season, maybe for opening day. But that kind of forced me to think, okay, you're plugging David Peterson in there. I don't feel any different about the rotation. And like, I know Quintana was spectacular last year. And and, and if he re- replicates what he did last year, it'll be better than whatever you get from David Peterson. But I was kind of expecting a mid three ZRA from Quintana. And I feel like it's exactly what you can expect from Peterson, but with more K's like he was really solid last year. The stuff ticked up a full mile per hour. Uh, the, the, the breaking ball was better. He had a little bit more uh, of a unique arsenal. It's kind of tweaked it a little bit. He, he struggled, you know, going in and out of the bullpen at points, but if he's consistently starting, I think this is a guy that could be really solid. And um, I'm, I'm interested to see how they use him, especially with the injury, but having him as an alternate and then even like a Tyler McGill as like your seventh arm, like I, that's just another good depth arm. That guy throws a hundred like, and, and has shown flashes of being 
pretty nasty. Uh, he has the blow up starts, but he showed flashes of being pretty nasty. If that's a plug and play guy as well, this is this is insane to have that kind of depth on top of two Hall of Famers. And then they're signing Kodai Sanga to be a three by signing him for the amount of money they signed him for. But Kodai Sanga could be a two, right? Like Kodai Sanga could be even better. He could be a four. It's possible. But I think it's more likely that he's a three or a two than he is a, a four. Um, and, and I think he's going to settle into that three role and he'll be one of the better threes in baseball. If that's the case, this is a ridiculous, ridiculous rotation. And we could talk about prospects, but they won't need them. I mean, no. we talk about Beatty. We talk about Francisco Alvarez. We talk about Mark Vientos, Ronnie Mauricio. And we don't talk about Mets pitching prospects because we don't need to. Yeah. Like, yeah. where are they going to play this year? Like, who's one name, I guess, if everything goes wrong, that Mets fans should be on the watch for? Jose Budo. Um, and Budo's looked good this spring and looked good and really good in AAA last year. He he made one spot start in the big leagues and got knocked around a little bit last year. But Budo's solid. I, I think Budo is another guy. If you have to go to him, that's fine. He's got a couple good secondary pitches and he throws strikes. Um, so like they've got one guy waiting in the wings there, but their system's not that deep in the pitching department, and they don't need it to be, like you said. They've got time to figure that out. That's the list. Our honorable mentions, the Texas Rangers, the San Diego Padres, and the Miami Marlins. At number 10, we had the Rays. Number 9, we had the Dodgers. Number 8 was the Blue Jays. Number 7 was the Philadelphia Phillies. Number 6 was the Milwaukee Brewers. Number 5 was the New York Yankees. 4, the Houston Astros. And at 3, the Mariners. Then we had the Atlanta Braves at number 2. And then the fighting New York Mets at number 1. That'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed. Again, the best way to support our show and our company is to get yourself some Just Baseball merch. I'm wearing my hat. I'm wearing the shirt as well. You can find that in the episode description. But if you don't want to spend a dime, we completely understand. Hit us with a like. Hit us with a comment if you're watching on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. Let us know who you think are the top 10 rotations. And if we said anything blasphemous, please let us know in the comments. And of course, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Leave a five-star review. We greatly appreciate it. Hopefully, you've been enjoying all this off-season content. We have more top tens to get through, as well as full-season previews, over-under projections for every team, MVP awards. We are leading you right up to the MLB season in 2023, as well as tons and tons and tons of World Baseball Classic content on JustBaseball.com, previews for every single team, and a litany of podcasts on the Just Baseball Network. And with that, thank you, everybody.